This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and today we are talking about the importance of fun in spiritual formation. We are hearing a question and getting an answer from my friend Sarah Hogbin about uh, what do you do if you belong to a church that has no kids provision for under threes and you are stuck in church with a lot of tiny people. And uh, then I am annoyed at my kid's school and thought I'd share it because uh, I think there's a sort of really important principle uh, at stake here uh, about purpose that I want to talk about. So uh, that's what we're talking about in this episode. To start off, uh, sorry, if I'm a bit echoey, it's because uh, I'm... I'm recording from Cliff College, where I'm participating in uh, the Homegrown uh, Conference, which is a live streaming conference. And so I'm in my little room, and I can't make it less echoey, so sorry. But it's a beautiful autumn day that I'm looking out onto the leaves, because I love autumn and all things. Well, I think because I grew up in Southern California and moved here 18 years ago. We didn't have seasons in California. So I, I, I think it's the first time I saw snow was when I moved here. <clears throat> and uh, I absolutely love watching the leaves turn because we didn't have that in the desert. So I get a bit excited. So I hope you are all embracing the autumn and have you put your heating on and all of that fun stuff. Uh, and speaking of autumn, uh, this coming week is our Facebook Live, where on a Monday night and a Wednesday, we have a Facebook Live where I come live to uh, talk about uh, different topics. And this time, October 14th, uh, it's, it happens every Monday the 14th for parents and uh, every Monday the 10th for parents. And this Monday, uh, I'm talking about evil and the occult because hey it's halloween why not so we're ta- we spent a half hour for each age group talking about how this topic applies to those specific age age groups so you know what do we tell our ki- our under fives about evil and the occult what do we tell our five to elevens what, what do we how do we coach our teenagers and, and young adults through what it means to think about, you know, actual evil and the occult that's out there and is it important or do we skip over it and all of that stuff we'll be talking about on Monday. So join us if that's something that's interesting to you. And uh, it's on our regular Facebook page and the videos are on those Facebook page uh, on the video. So if you miss that night, feel free to go and find those videos on the Facebook page. And on October 16th, we do a webinar during the day for children's leaders and anyone who works uh, with families. And we're talking about uh, how we can flourish in a multicultural setting if we're dealing with families uh, that have come from different backgrounds, different countries, different ethnicities. uh, How do we really uh, enable everybody to flourish? So that's what we're talking about next week. But for now, now, uh, Barna Group 
uh, did research. Uh, Barna Group is a, a sort of research company. Uh, company. Uh, they're a research group that uh, functions in America, and they do a lot of really large church studies, you know, with a huge sample group. And uh, they did a, a very large study on households of faith. And one of the interesting results from that study was about fun. And I thought, since we talked last week about shame, I thought I'd switch it up a little bit. And uh, we found it really interesting that in this, you know, huge report, one of the things they found is there's a consistent connection between households that prioritize quality time and fun and households that prioritize faith formation. Basically, the more fun a family has, the more likely they are to be comfortable and prioritize talking about God and encouraging their kids' faith. And while on the face of it, that's just a piece of information that goes, and then we sort of move on. I found it really powerful because as parents, we can feel the weight of all the expectations on us. You know, we, we should do the homework with our kids and we should pack a certain lunch and we should get them places and we we should have better bedtimes and we should discipline our children better and we just get buried under all the expectations of the shoulds and therefore um, it, we can be fooled into feeling like helping our kids connection with God becomes one more should that can weigh on us rather than it being a joy and and it can feel weighty and sometimes Sometimes we just need a break from all of those shoulds. And I found it really powerful that, that, that your next step in Parenting for Faith, your next step in helping your kids uh, meet and know God is to just add more fun to your family. Because as you add more fun to your family, as you laugh more and goof around more, and as you uh, become more playful, that builds the bonds of connection within your family through which you are more likely to talk about your life and talk about God. And the more close your family feels, the more you'll be vulnerable with each other and have those conversations where you can talk about God and create windows and frame and do all those things that we talk about, use all those tools. But um, this massive research that was taken across thousands of families in the U.S. uh, just really put a statistical um, correlation that says the more fun you have, the more likely you are to be the spiritual parent you want to be. And so rather than put an enormous amount of effort into doing all of the spiritual things, if you're struggling with that, if that just feels like a weight burden, just take a few thoughts of how you can just be more fun and play more games and whack on music and dance in the kitchen and go for a walk and do random stuff that enables you all to laugh together. And for some of us in the stage of our family, just laughing together would be a great blessing. And I love that. I love how God works that through laughing together and adding more fun, uh, whether it's doing more things or just having more tickles, uh, whether it's joining your teenager to do the thing that they love, add more fun because that lays that foundation for connection through which more creating windows and framing and unwinding and all of the tools we talk about flow. 
So be encouraged. Fun counts. Fun matters. Fun is important in the spiritual life of your kid. So if you're just in a season where fun is something that you want to grow in, know that that is a significant spiritual investment in the life of your family and your kids. For today's question, we had a listener uh, email in, and we appreciate those. If you have questions that you want me or one of my wise people around me to attempt to answer, uh, please feel free to email in through the website. There's just a contact us section that you can feel free to do, and uh, or you can go on the Facebook page and add in a question there. We look at both of those things. And today's question is about being a parent of under threes. Uh, The question is this, can you help me? My church doesn't offer children's groups for under threes. I have a two-year-old and a four-month-old, and I'm finding the service very stressful to try to control my children through. I don't want to find another church, but neither do I want to spend every service shushing my children or stuck sitting outside the main service in the lobby of the school missing the service when I could have just stayed at home. What do I do? I think I have heard over and over and over again as I've traveled around very similar situations. And so I called my friend Sarah. She is the children's pastor at Gateway Church uh, in York, and she has multiple small people in her life uh, and has also worked within churches for a long time. And she has some wisdom for us on that. Here's my friend Sarah. Well done for making it to church, first of all, with two little ones. That's a really big achievement. And I'm sorry that when you get there, you're feeling um, down about it. That's that's really difficult. And it's hard. It's a hard stage of life to be in. And it's um, really hard when there's nothing kind of provided by the church, too. Um, Just a few things, maybe, I guess, to think about. Um, The first thing. I think I'd say is see if you can talk to someone on your church leadership and just find out actually what their expectations are. you know, is it is it okay for your children to be making a bit of noise in the church, or is that not okay? Um, where what are they expecting you to do? Um, because sometimes I think we assume that our children are being really noisy, and other people don't mind so much. Um, and or maybe they do, but it's it's helpful to know where you stand and um, to get an idea from the church leadership of what their expectations are and, and what they're expecting you to do. Um, church leaders your church leaders will want you to be there then <laughs> they want you to be part of their congregation and they want your children to be part of their congregation too um and sometimes as well church leaders are just really busy and they have a lot on and um it wouldn't have even occurred to them that this might be an issue um and so you just raising it is just helpful it puts the, in their mind that actually there is an issue there for you um and that will be helpful for them so if you can try and raise it with someone so that they they at least know and it's on their radar that there's there's something that you're finding difficult and then at least you know um what they're expecting of you and um and what's okay and what's not okay from their perspective as well I think that that would be really helpful um the second thing um I guess to think about is what what can you do um you know during worship are there things you can do together with your children how can you engage them in worship um and that kind of thing but also what what are your values of what church is and should be is going to church about hearing a sermon or is there more to going to church than that um actually is going to church about drawing near to god and even if you 
can't be in some parts of the service? How can you do that in the bits you are in? How can you do that in the bits where you're not in? If you, you're outside um, with your children, actually, how can you draw near to God yourself? How can you help your children draw near to God? You know, maybe you could take some Bible stories with you and read those to them while you're out, um, or even put some worship music on if, if the space allows for that. Um, and just trying to look at ways that you can draw near to God as as a family um, in that church setting, even if you're not in with the main congregation. And again, if, if part of your value is actually um, about loving people and being loved, um, those times that you are in the congregation, maybe even after the service, can you? who can you be loving? And who can your children be loving? They're really little, but they still have a part to play in your church. And who are those lonely people or the, maybe some of the more frail members of your congregation who would just really appreciate you coming and talking to them and holding a baby right in their face and them being able to to see a baby for some older people that um, experience of encountering a small baby can totally make their week um, so find those people that you can love and that your children can love and um, and give other people opportunities to love you as well maybe there's someone who, um, who, can, who can take your children out if they need to go out so that you can enjoy a sermon every once in a while and um, and find those people maybe they're people who you've been in a small group with in the past or, or currently um, find those people who um, who you can be loved by and, and even if you're not making it into the service you can still be part of the church family um, you still have a part to play uh, you might not be able to take on a role um, but there are still relationships that you can develop with different people and that your children they have a part to play too um, and there's loads of stuff about that in the fourth the week eight of the Parenting for Faith course has a lot in that um, all about how you can still um, do church and be part of a church family even if maybe you can't access certain parts of the, the church service in this season and also I guess practicing those values through the week are there people you can meet up with in the week um, so that you can be church together um, can you listen to the sermon um, after the children are in bed one evening maybe that would be something that would really help you um, definitely for worship um, play the worship songs that you're um, having in church play them in your house um, that can be a really positive experience for your children they get to know the songs that you sing um, you can also find some great um, we quite often use um, videos from YouTube that have motions and we use the motions from that and, and even at two you can start to introduce those to your children and they can see them and, and learn some really basic like motions that they can use in the service um, and equip them to be part of the church family when they are in um but yeah i think it's a season and it's a difficult season but there is an end to it <laughs> there will be a day when you get to be in a service and listen to a whole sermon without having to worry um, about what your children are doing and someone else will have them um but yeah i think it's it's about thinking about what what are your values and making sure there's people around you who can help you with that and um and even if you're not getting the sermon or certain bits of the service, actually, um, you are still part of the church family and um, making sure that you feel part of that um, and the, remembering that you have a role and your children are part of that and they have a role too. Um, so I hope it gets better. I hope um, you, you manage to find a way to enjoy being part of church. Um, but it is just a season and it, it will get better and well done well done for making it to church that's a really big achievement so keep keep doing that keep trying to get there that's that's important and um and you're part of the church family and your children are part of the church family so um 
enjoy being part of church together and doing church together, whatever that looks like for you in your season. And for our wildcard section, I have a bit of a rant <laughs> to do. I rarely... Uh, I'm not sure if that's true. I was going to say I rarely get annoyed at things. Uh, but uh, this one, oh, this one, this one bugged me. Uh, normally, I'm, I try to be very gracious and be like, oh, I'm sure I believe in the best and stuff like that. But there was something that happened at my kid's school that super got me going. And it took me a long time to process like what was going on with this. And uh, I just wanted to share a little bit of that uh, and and it and why it disturbed me so much. Because uh, at my kids' school, the teachers were, uh, and I think with the best of intentions, trying to come up with something to help children engage with World War II. My kids in a year group where they're looking at World War II, I think for the first time, maybe, not sure. Uh, And uh, they wanted to look at World War II, and particularly with Remembrance coming up, they wanted to look at uh, honoring the fallen. And so they uh, came up with this plan. Uh, they they sent a letter home from our MP uh, saying that the MP was planning on destroying the war graves in town because nobody remembers them anyways. And the children's job was to write persuasive, passionate letters back to this MP to convince this MP to not destroy the war graves in our town and and then and and that was all it was set up to be so i was like well that seems very weird that our mp would do that so and i was explaining because i've worked in churches so i know what happens when you have to try to move a cemetery and it's a lot of paperwork so and a lot of work so i was surprised so i was talking to with my kid about i don't think legally they're allowed to do that we had this big conversation and later we got an email from the teacher explaining what it was and what it was was that our our my son's teacher wanted to come up with a a situation where our children would be able to engage with the topic and to understand the topic, but um, most importantly, to feel powerful. So what he did was he invented, he made, he made up a letter from the MP uh, for our children to read uh, that, you know, making up this fake scenario that the children would then write, write persuasive letters to this MP, you know, through the teacher. And then at some point, the uh, teacher would then have the MP write a letter back saying, oh, I'm so persuaded by your thing, uh, your letters that I have chosen to not destroy the war graves. And the kid will, the kids will feel so powerful so that they can know that their voice matters and their, their voice counts. And I was so angry <laughs> at, this, at this situation because I think it's absolutely vital that our children know that their voices are powerful. And, and there are so many ways children can know their voices are powerful. To set up a fake scenario to make them, to trick them almost into thinking that their voices are powerful, when in reality it was just a, a fantasy, a pretend a pretend situation. 
uh, made me really upset. One, because no school can keep a secret. So someone's going to find out that that is not a real situation. And what would it do to our kids' hearts if they poured huge amounts of time and effort and emotional energy into thinking that they're trying to save these graves uh, and work really hard on these letters and be told that they saved these graves and then find out later it was all a fantasy? What's that going to do to their concept of feeling powerful? But two, just the concept that the main way that we can feel help our kids feel powerful is to make up a scenario rather than to truly truly empower them and i just began to reflect on why this is so important and it, it to me this sense of purpose and and really knowing that you are powerful in this world is crucial to our children. Uh, Genesis 1, when God created human beings, one of the first things he gave them is purpose. And I'm sure many of you have heard me talk about this before. Uh, But I, I wanted to get really specific about something because, you know, in Genesis 1, we were made. And as soon as we were made, God blessed his children. And the first thing he said to them that we have recorded is to say, go rule over the earth and skies and sea. And, and he gave them a purpose. He gave them a job. The first fresh out of the package people, um, he felt that it was essential that they knew their purpose and their power. And I think for children, they need to know that. And we as parents can give them that, can train them in how powerful they are. And I wonder how often in our parenting we do what my school was trying to do with the kids. How often in our parenting do we set up fake scenarios for our children to feel powerful when they really haven't been? You know, when we ask for their help on things that we actually don't need help on, or we give them a small job that doesn't really matter whether or not they succeed, whether or not they do it because we actually can function without it, that we sort of try to give them false purpose or we give them things to do rather than feeling useful and needed. And I just was reflecting on how important it is that for every age group, we give them experience after experience after experience of being significant in the lives of other, of being powerful, of being needed and useful so that they can learn that they can be powerful in the kingdom, they can be powerful on this earth, that they are called and useful to God and to others. So I would just encourage us to enable our children to create space, create opportunities to equip our kids to be as powerful as they really are. And our homes are a great place to do that. So whether it's with their words, you know, giving advice, giving encouragement, whether it's with their actions of, of um, being helping relieve our stress or uh, being able to, uh, like, you know, having our kids be ready on time in the morning. We're just like, that's a given. But every once in a while to turn to them and say, when you're ready on time, it significantly changes my whole morning. Thank you so much. Uh, Just creating space for their actions to make a difference, whether it's in our home, uh, like when I broke my foot, a couple of months ago, uh, my kid was constantly carrying things for me. And it was so significant. It wasn't just, oh, can you help me? I could do it. But I really needed help. I needed him to carry things. And I watched him flourish because he was knowing there was a need and he was filling it. And there are many times in our lives where we actually have needs and our kids can fill that without it being 
an undue influence or a burden on them. So for instance, for toddlers, uh, it's sometimes you're like, you know, sick and freezing and, you know, it'd be really great if someone gave you a blanket, go ask your three-year-old, I'm so cold. Can you get my duvet off my bed? And it's so much fun to watch a three-year-old try to drag a duvet uh, off a bed and to come down and to tuck you in like you're used that you usually tuck them in and they can take care of you. I remember with my toddler, I used to uh, make him in charge of any cut that I had. Uh, because, you know, there's process. And so if I had any cut that was bleeding, you know, not horrifically like stitches or anything, but if I had a cut that was bleeding uh, and it's hard to put a plaster on yourself, so I would ask him to be in charge. And so he would, you know, wipe it down and then add the antibacterial goo and then put a plaster on. And he was like two, uh, but he felt so purposeful and powerful because, you know, I needed some bandaging and he bandaged me up. Or if they could put on music or pick a song or whatever it is, it's that feeling significant. For a a 5 to 11 child, there are so many times in life we need encouragements and we need our hearts to be blessed. And we come home on a tired day and we need their uh, good words. And sometimes we come home and work in a confused day and we need them to listen. And sometimes we need their wisdom. Uh, There was a podcast question that came in that was so significant and uh, I was really wrestling with it. So I uh, asked my kid, what do you think about this? And he gave me some really great wisdom that helped me take the next step in the thinking about this process, to have these conversations, to invite them in to be significant in our lives. As teenagers, they, we, they are so useful. They have so much practical help, uh, jobs you need to get done. <clears throat> I remember doing admin for my dad's a side job uh, as a teenager. And I remember grading papers for my mom. And I remember cooking dinners sometimes so that she could focus on a major project. And just being a significant contributor to home life to bless my parents was a really foundational part of my formation, as well as getting jobs and helping other people and volunteering at the hospital and all of those things to really look at our children and say, you are powerful and needed in the world, in my life, to your friends' lives and uh, you can make an impact. There are so many ways that our children can know that they're powerful and have a real impact. There's no need to create false scenarios for them to pretend to be powerful when they actually are. And so I just challenge us to see where your kid is powerful, what their skills are, where their usefulness is, and to enable them to be as powerful as they've been created to be so that they grow in confidence because they really are powerful rather than pretending to be. And your question to start an interesting conversation this week is this. Names in the Bible have meanings sometimes. Uh, And so if you could pick a different name for yourself to have, what would that name be? Have a good conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.